Hey everyone, welcome back to the second episode of Reading with Celebrities. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tiffany. And today we are doing our big discussion on The Rapture of Canaan, which was our first book that was chosen for Oprah's book club, her original book club. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll just kind of go through, discuss our thoughts on it, you know, what we liked, what we didn't like, some discussion, um, other people's reviews, whether or not we agreed with it, and yeah, we'll just go from there. Yeah, and then at the end, we will announce what the next book is. Um, if you listen to the first episode and the trailer, we did also say that, but we will talk about that, kind of wrap this episode or this book up and uh, mention the next book and when we think that we will discuss that one. Yeah. Um, also, spoiler alerts, obviously, if you plan on reading this book, we will be going in-depth to the twists and turns and ending and characters. So if you don't want it yes. spoiled. Yeah, if you haven't finished the book book yet, I would say stop right now, go finish <laughs> the book, and then come back and, and listen. Come back. And as always, if you agree, disagree, think we're totally wrong about anything, just give us a send us a message either on our Twitter or Instagram and I don't know. If it's sassy enough, maybe we'll read it. Yeah, our Instagram is reading with celebs and our Twitter is reading W celebs. Yeah. So please um, go follow us on there. And uh, before we start, we had the What Should Lindsay Read Next survey, and the winner was 1Q84. So I have no idea what that book is. So, so do you want to give a little. Um, I would, but I also don't really know what it is about. Okay. I think it's supposed to be kind of like a, a, like a thriller, mind-bending, maybe some time travel. I haven't oh, you're really, it's been on my shelf for a while now and um, decided that I should try to tackle maybe a big book over the summer. And it was between that and the Feast for Crows. Well, so the reason I did not vote for Feast with Crows or whatever is because I still need to read the third book. And so I was like, well, if I read the third book and then we can read the Feast with Crows Fifth together. Together. I like that. That's smart. Okay. Yeah. The, um, the third one in the series is the one I brought to Costa Rica with us. Yes. And it swelled in size due to all the humidity and salt water. <laughs> and I think I like, yeah. dropped it near the pool or something too. I wouldn't it's, be surprised. It's I a would mess. not be surprised. Yeah, that's what, yeah, book, taking books on vacation with you, especially near a beach, is not the smartest sometimes. Yeah, it's fine. Um, get us the job done. Yep. But, all right, let's uh, jump into it. The Rapture of Canaan. So the author of this one is Sherry Reynolds. It was published in 1995, and Oprah chose it as her April 1997 pick. Yes. Um, so what did you think of it? Or how many stars did you give it? I, so I really enjoyed the, probably like the first half of this book, like was really into it, really thought it had a lot going for it. And then the ending just like knocked it down for me. So I ended up giving it two and a half out of five. Okay. Um, it's just, um, I, I wrote my little notes. I wrote, I very much enjoyed the first half, but the second just seemed to drag on. And I was just, I got to the point where I was reading it because I needed to finish it. For the discussion, yeah. um, I felt like the symbolism and the language just became way too heavy and muddled and really lost some of the, the powerful meaning that was there at the very beginning. 
Yeah, I definitely think that I read the first half a lot faster, like, just like the building up, learning about the characters. I liked how she always had her grandma tell her a story. She kind of oh, Nana's my favorite. Yeah, she was my favorite character. Started learning about, like, um, why Grandpa Herman was the way he was. Um, and I think something that was so strong that I realized at the end was even though Nana did not always agree with him, her love for him was unconditional. Mm-hmm. She did not, yeah, like, I just, I was like, maybe this is the lesson in this book. It's like her love for him was unconditional. So that's kind of what I took away from it more than um, Nina's story or Nina. Like, her story, I was just like, okay. But I think at the end, just like, especially when we kind of saw the downfall of Grandpa Herman and like, yeah. like, and you started to see, like, his church go against him. Because mm-hmm. I do think it was a cult-like atmosphere. Oh, for sure. But I think when you have that type of atmosphere, the leader does not see it as a cult. So when his people are starting to go against him, he's going to start to, like, crumble and fall as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely saw that. Yeah, I, had, I struggled with Grandpa Herman because... Like, right off the bat, I really hated him as a character. I hated that he was using, um, you know, the Nana's whole story about when she was a little girl, her mom murdering yeah. her dad, and how she lied for him. It's like, she's a little girl. She doesn't know any better. Like, she... Yeah. And you're using that against her while we find out all of these other things that he's so against that he does himself or he's so used to doing, or used to do, Um and so I just, I really was like, I, I have him as like one of my bottom three characters. Cause even at the end where it was trying, like he became, I guess more, I don't know if sympathetic is the right word, but like. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I definitely felt sorry for him closer to the end, but I don't know that it was the fact that it was a character, like his character or like just that he was a grandfather figure. And yeah. you don't want to see somebody like that yeah it's like um whenever they uh they say like oh this person they had i'm trying to think of of an example um you know whenever they're like oh she's so young she's so bright and vivacious and there's always that one person who was like they bullied the shit out of me when i was little like you know they didn't they like they weren't this great nice person that everyone's making them out to be it was it's kind of one of those Mm -hmm. things where it's like that second half after he had a stroke and went missing and they found him and was that was a, a tough thing to follow in and of its own but i couldn't get over all of those other things that he had done um to everybody from like, dunking nina to oh yeah making people sleep in a grave when it was like you're just yeah. as guilty of these things and yeah and I, I just um yeah you learned like he did a lot of those things before he started his church yeah, and it was on top of, like, him saying, oh, my wife is a liar, and she covered for her mother when she was blah, blah, blah. But, like, after uh, Laura had so many miscarriages, and he was just like, well, you know, you're a sinner, so that's what's going to happen. It was just like, yeah, that, yeah that's no. why you're having these, yeah, that's why you're having these miscarriages, is because you're a sinner. Yeah, he always, it. yeah. Um, yeah, the fact that every 
church, like every Sunday, he told the same story over and over about Nana. Like all these people have heard this story. Like we get it. Like she's not that person anymore. And also, like you said, she was a kid. Like she did not know what was happening. I just, and I think what frustrated me with Nana was she obviously had his ear and had a voice and a say because she was the one who, who stopped Nina's dunking was like, this is enough. You know, she, there were times where she stepped up really and was just like, this is out of control. When um, Kanan was born and his hands were fused together, she was the first one to be like, this is nonsense. We need to get him to a doctor so they can snip his hands because they shouldn't be together like that. Like she, she definitely had a voice. So there were times when like what frustrated with me, which is just, why isn't she saying anything to counter that? Yeah, I think I think that's where that unconditional love comes in, right? Like, I really yeah. do think that, I think that's where I was getting it at the end, is like, despite all these things that he did, she was never going to stop loving him. Yeah. And she knew, and she knew that it was his church. Like, I think that was the big thing. Um, I do think that she definitely had a say, though, in everything that happened. Um, to me, she was probably the best character and um, I think she, to me, she was the main character because we just, I learned more from her than I did from, like, Nina. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I had Nana, I have my top three, my bottom three characters. So Nana was my first one. Um, as we've discussed, you know, she, she managed to have her own voice and be very loud about what she had to say and what she thought, even when others were trying to kind of stifle that. Um, and actually, my, my second, I had a tie, and that was, uh, as we discussed last week, the character named Mustard. Yeah. Mustard, Olin, and Nina's daddy, because, and this was really cemented when it came out that she was pregnant, and they kind of tucked her away, and she came out one Sunday thinking everybody was going to be at church, and she rolls up, and Mustard, Olin, and her dad are playing cards. <laughs> and I think, yeah, and I think that started with Olin. Like, I think Olin was the first <laughs> to, like, um, back away from the church and Mustard followed because that's his dad. Yeah. And so I think that was um, I, I loved that storyline and I loved I loved how much like her dad had love for her. Yes. Like, because her mom, I did not like her mom at all. Yeah, her mom was rough. Yeah, but her dad kind of had the same thought process almost as Nana. Like, I don't know, he, he understood, like, this was not Jesus's baby. This was not, this was because of this. Like, he knew what had happened. And so I think, like, that's why I really liked his character a lot. But I think I would have said Olin probably was next, just because he was the first to kind of start backing away from all of the church's beliefs. Yeah, and I think for him, too, it was, you know, um, his son committed suicide and he was the only one willing to be like, my son killed himself. And um, just similar as like, you know, Herman, you lost your son as well, but I just lost mine and I'm going to grieve the way I need to grieve. And I'm going to go about this the way I need to go about this. Um, yeah. I definitely think like how they tried to say that James did not kill himself, that it was like a drowning accident. That was rough too. But also yeah, did that, not go for it. Oh, well, I was gonna say like 
I don't want to say I didn't see that coming because like I think like the the part right before it when they're looking for him that's when I was like oh god he probably did something to himself like that but at the beginning when you find out she's pregnant and all this like I really did not think that somebody was gonna die and some and it being James yeah I am I and I have this as a discussion question. I wasn't really surprised that suddenly it was no longer a suicide. It was just an accidental drowning that they had decided that as, you know, Grandpa Herman had decided that and as a church that went forward is that because in the beginning when they go out deer hunting and James bags his first deer and it's a doe and Nina's sitting there going, it's a sin to kill a doe. Like, you know, you're supposed to get bucks or whatever, and everybody's sitting here celebrating it. So it was clear to me that uh, Grandpa Herman was able to bend the rules, spin things however he wanted. Well, and yeah, and that's the same thing. We go back to Laura, like, you know, she's a sinner. That's why she lost, lost her babies. But at the same time, he also made the decision that Nina's baby was going to be given to her without consulting Nina, without any consulting whatsoever he made that decision and it was like okay so you're telling her that she's a sinner but now you're going to praise her and gift her with this baby yeah i um david and laura were sucking on my my bottom three just because they were very much so grateful to the wrong person for getting canaan absolutely Um, they i felt like you know and, and i got annoyed with nina because she very clearly was just like I'm going to carry this whole mother of God thing with me and people oh, are yeah, treat me differently and stuff. And she expected David and Laura to, which she shouldn't have. Um, but they were sitting there like, Nina, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. And it's just like, okay, but you're, she's the reason you have a son now. So yeah. either you can, and then again, just going back to the whole, like, and this, I wrote this down. This was one of my favorite quotes was when Nina was, um, talking about how Laura was kind of praising Kanan for being, oh, he's so advanced, look, he can stand up, blah, 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 without just realizing, no, that's just, like, normal baby yeah. development. Like, he should be standing by now. He should be doing yeah, all of this. Yeah, he should be doing these things. And Nina said what was normal was miraculous enough, and I think that was probably my favorite quote. So much like what you took away from this book about unconditional love, to me, it was, it was just appreciating the beauty and what's normal and the normality of life. Well, and how you said like, Laura, they were your bottom like characters, how she started to treat Nina where she didn't want Nina to see the baby at all. Like where she didn't want Nina to see Kaden. Like all of a sudden it was like, um, she didn't have this opportunity to see this baby that she had carried for nine months because Laura was slowly, which again, I'm sure is something that she could have, like we could have predicted, like it's kind of like an adoption type thing. Like even though you have this open adoption, those adopted parents are eventually going to start pulling away from that birth mother. Yeah. You know? So I think, yeah, she, she was definitely down on my bottom as well. Like not an enjoyable character. And then just David, just at the end being like, you know what? Grandpa Herman, he's still alive, but he's had a stroke, so I'm going to be the next leader of this church. Oh, yeah. My son is... I was like, mm, nah, you guys are just... Yeah, just a bunch you're the of last person. Asses. 
Yeah, so yeah, you're the last person that should. And also, why are you deciding? Yeah. Like, I don't know, because you have baby Canaan now? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, there was, I think there was an easy split of, like, unlikable and likable characters in this book. I will say with Nina, she's that one that's, like, kind of in the middle. Because at the beginning, I enjoyed her a lot more. Um, But, like, after she had this baby, like you said, how she played up to having this special child, even though she knew it was not because of that. Um, yeah, I think that's where she started becoming unlikable. I do like at the end where she finally cut the hand. I don't know if that was the best way to do it. <laughs> so, um, I actually had Nina as my third bottom three. I felt okay. like she just, and again, I, you know, we talked about how much we like reality TV last time. So I have seen Team Mom. I know that just because these little girls are having kids does not mean they're going to suddenly be very mature and stuff. But she, to me, lacked growth of any kind throughout any of this. Oh, I didn't see Um, any growth from her as a character. And, and like you said, like in the beginning, you're kind of really rooting for her because you're like, here's this little girl that's been Mm -hmm. in, in reality, she was very much so manipulated by James because James knew what they were doing. He knew that when they were having sex, that it wasn't Jesus or God speaking through them. Like he just, and she she fully believes she's a little girl believing that and um, and the same thing of like oh i can feel the ring on your finger and now we're married that kind of thing it's all very manipulative manipulative and um you know from her perspective it was like oh he loves me and we're gonna be together and from his perspective it was just i don't know about this whole church thing and i'm a teenage boy and i just want to get my rocks off like yeah that's all it was but but at the end i was just kind of like I think for me, I was waiting for her to have that one moment where it was just like, I don't know, to show some sort of growth or realization. And I, for me personally, I don't think she ever got there. Oh, I don't think so either. I Um, definitely agree with that. But I started when, at the very end, when she grabbed the scissors and grabbed Kanan and walked away with him and started talking about freeing him and stuff. Oh, I started I thought, thinking about the. I thought I was thinking the title, "The Rapture of Canaan," and I was like, "Oh my God, she's gonna kill this baby!" No, <laughs> I thought she was that? gonna. No, I thought she was gonna kill the baby and then kill herself. Me the too. The way she was talking, so that they could both be free. Because at <laughs> first, I thought when she grabbed the baby, I was like, "Okay, they're about to run away. She's gonna finally run away. Yes. She's gonna figure this out." But then when she grabs the scissors, I was like, "Oh no!" I was like, "This cannot go well at all." Yeah. Like, I was like, I, "We're not the." I was like, we're not about to end a book with a baby dying. Yeah, I was um, very, very happy to find that that rapture of Canaan to be very symbolic of snipping his hands apart. Yeah. Basically um, saying, doing that means that he is not the child of God. He's, like, he's he not is the child of... Yeah. And, um, or I guess not the, not the way the child of, of God that everybody in the church wanted him to be. Yeah. He wasn't the second coming. Yeah, um, like you know, freeing you from from this responsibility that's not yours to have, freeing you of of the restrictions of of the church of was a fire and brimstone and God's almighty wind. Right. Exactly. But, yeah, I uh, I had a small panic attack this last <laughs> this couple of no, pages where I was like, oh my god, the baby's gonna die. I know. I was like, I don't think I'm gonna like this book anymore. I think that was like how you talked about she didn't. 
she didn't grow from her like her character. There's no character growth. Like to me, that was like her one. That was a one good moment for her. Yes, I agree. Like I was like, okay, that makes up for some things, but because that needed to happen. Yes. Um, uh, and I really liked her friend that she went to school with. Ajita. Yes. She was my third top favorite character. I loved her. Me too. I thought she was a great side character that sometimes she was brought in, sometimes she wasn't. Like, I just, whenever she was mentioned, I was like, oh, I love her. She was, she was to me like that, like the, the non-judgmental supportive friend that every person needs in their life. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Because she. Like the writing, yeah. Like just yeah. the writing of letters to each other. Like, even though she wasn't at school and like, even at the end when she's like, well, I'll be a grade below you. She's like, we can still eat lunch together. Yeah. Or how she was, you know, like telling her, um, like she, she saw, she saw past Nina's like everybody else in the, the church was seeing her as both a sinner and the mother of God. And Ajita saw her for you're another girl my age and we're going to school and we've got different hopes and dreams and things we want to do and wait, things we want to play. And, you know, and yeah. so I, yes, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the bits with her in it. Yeah, I did too. And I like I that she did. gave her the little mechanical pencil. Yes. And then how, um, Nina was like making her a rug, right? At the end. Yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely um, enjoyed that character as well. Again, I did not rank characters, um, but it seems that you and I both kind of had similar likes and dislikes for our characters. Mm-hmm. So um, when I pulled this book up on Goodreads, which I'm going to do right now, So it looks like the average rating is like a 3.82. And mm-hmm. there's, a, there's over 33,000 ratings, but there's only like 800 actual reviews. So I thought we could go through and read like a few like of the one stars, of the five stars, kind of see what we if we agree with them. I think you said you also brought up some reviews as well. Um, I just wrote down the overall number. So Goodreads, like you said, 3.8. Barnes & Nobles has a 3.9. And the Audible version of this book has a 3.8 as well. Okay. Um, I will say, like, just scrolling, like... Well, real quick, what would you rate it? I had 3.5, but I think I would drop it to 3. Okay. Yeah, I think I would drop it to three after like letting it soak in and stuff. But again, I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the story. Um, it kept me um, wanting to read more and knowing what happened. So I definitely will give it a three. I wish Goodreads did half stars. Yeah. Um, so. So with my 2.5 and your 3, that means for us we've averaged out 2.75 out of 5 stars. Yeah, and also 
I'm uh, I think for me it takes a lot to get a five star from me. Yep. And a four star like it's not hard for me to rate a four star, but I have to like absolutely love that book, recommend it to the next person, say you need to read this, like yeah, I definitely I don't give many five stars, but four stars I'll give. But again, three star is probably my average rating. I don't know if I've given a two yet, but I haven't always rated my books either. Mm-hmm. So. Um, okay, so this is a five star. It says love, love, loved it. An emotional and gripping story about a young woman raised in an ultra conservative Christian cult. I loved the first person voice and all the characters, particularly Nina's relationship to her Nana. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that that's a five star worthy, but um, I did like the first person. I do like that we were always in Nina's perspective. Mm-hmm. But when Nana told those stories, we felt like we were in Nana's perspective. In Nana's perspective, yeah. Yeah, I think the relationship between Nana and Nina were really the the key to this book. Yeah, the focal point. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this one, um, this is a two-star rating. It says, after a middling beginning, um, this book picked up steam, then lost some steam, then became downright steamy, then doused itself with cold lake water. Then I give up, then I give up on this metaphor. It was an easy read, but seldom a very compelling one, partly because I found the, I found Grandpa Herman unconvincing and that made the whole frame of this religious fringe community unconvincing as well. See, I didn't find him unconvincing because I do think we have seen this before in real life. Oh, yeah. So I did not find him unconvincing at all. Mm-mm. No, this is... Um, I don't know. Like, th- these churches exist. I don't know yeah. if they go like to the extreme of bordering on because uh, some of the ways they describe their their clothes and stuff it was very reminded me of, of living in Ohio with some of the more um, Amish communities around us but like just that's just solely based on the style of their clothing and the way they described how never cutting their hair but like their their churches like this exist well I was so, thinking of Waco when with this Waco um what was the David Crush? Yeah, no, David Crush, but then there was oh. another, uh, Warren Jeffs, I think. Okay. They were polygamists out in Utah, and I think in Texas as well, they had a little, like, commune as well, yeah. but, yeah, I mean, they're around, so it's not like... Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see what else. I'm just scrolling real quick. Um, sometimes I hate in the reviews when they give, like, the whole synopsis of the book. Yeah. I'm like, I just need to know what you mean. Okay, so this one was a three-star. It says, seclusion is a big theme of this book as we read. Um, what really saddens me is that the people who write such novels have nothing but embittered experiences about the side of faith. As a result, the Christian community would be would be parodied in a community like this as a bunch of rednecks, narrow-minded, fire and brimstone. Um, yes, it is intentionally using a fanatic community 
like that for a purpose. They will be an example for what happens many times today amongst Christian fundamentalists in the U.S. As if that is all they see in the Christendom when we will have Paul Claudel and many others. Okay. So they just seem like they hate the fact that this represents Christians. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't know. I think um, I I don't know Sherry Reynolds' history, religious history, um, or religious feelings in general. Um, I couldn't find a whole lot on her. I tried to find the the interview she did with Oprah. Couldn't find that anywhere. Um, but but like I can I can understand where. If you are strong in your faith and it seems like all you're coming across are books that are criticizing it, I don't think it's fair to say, though, that this book is representative of all of Christianity, because we know it's not. We can look out in the world and say, I know that it's not. And I don't think it's trying to be representative of all of Christianity. I don't think that's what this book had anything to do with at all. Like, I don't think this book was saying this is what the Christian faith looks like across this country at all. Yeah, no. I did not take that away when I read this. I took it more away of this is a cult-like community. Yeah. Which is very different than the Christian faith. Like, Mm -hmm. everybody has what they believe in, but that doesn't make it cult-like. This, to me, felt very cult-like. Yes. And how he just made up his, like, own rules and stuff. Yeah, so I was super annoyed with all the rules um, where it was just like, hey, if you destroy another man's property, you owe, you owe him $100 and you owe the church $100. Yeah, you always had to pay the church. Yeah. Yeah, I, that was a very weird thing as well. And it was only, like, the rules, like, that he obviously wanted. Yeah. And agreed with. So yeah, those are just a few reviews that um, I just read on Goodreads. But I think overall, though, I mean, a 3.8, 3.9 average rating is actually a pretty good rating, <laughs> I think. Because again, I think a four-star and a five-star book, again, everybody has a different way that they rate their books. So some people just, if they like a book, they give it a five-star no matter what. So I definitely think that that I did enjoy it, though. I'm glad we read it Um, for being the first book that we chose. I was I knew nothing about it. Um, I didn't know what to expect. But I like being the first book. It was a quick read um, so that we can kind of prepare ourselves for the next ones. Yeah, it definitely um, was, like you said, a quick read. Um, I didn't. There, there were worse books out there that we could have read. So even though I gave it a two and a half, it's more, my rating always comes down to when I finish a book, do I wish there was more to the story? Or do I, am I satisfied with where it ended? And in this yeah. one, I thought the, the actual very ending, like the last few pages of Nina going and cutting his hands apart and freeing him, was very good, but I don't think the whole story was rounded off enough for me. 
Um, yeah, I can agree with that because I don't think we got the closure of what's going to happen with the church. Yeah, like, and even... Church, yeah, like, is the church going to continue the way it is? And even even beyond that, like, I just felt like... Like, Nina's character was stunted. Like, there was just... There was just, for me, like, it was almost like uh, the author was trying too hard to fit in a bunch of symbolism about there's Jesus on the cross and the azaleas are dying and then there's James over here and then ever she's walking forward, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, this isn't needed to drive the story. Like, we already have the point of, like, we already know where Nina's trying to go with herself and her her view on the world and doing it in this fashion isn't getting me to that end point. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I de- yeah, I definitely agree with that as well. Um, what else did you have for this book? Um, I just have some, I've wrote down three discussion questions for us. Okay. Um, and we kind of, we touched on one already, and it was, did you think Nina was going to kill Kanan at the end? Yep. And we both very much so agreed and thought, yes, that wasn't going to happen. And, um, and then the first one we touched on was the significance of James's first year being a doe. Yeah. And for me, this was kind of where, like, this was very clearly meant to be symbolic of something. And it was light-handed enough to where it felt right in the book. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, because like I said, with, with Nina's dream of Jesus dying on the cross with the azaleas for her and dying, blah, blah, blah. Like that just to me was, it was too much. I was just, this, the book, it didn't feel, it didn't fit in the book, but this one did because it really helped kind of expose some of the hypocrisy within Grandpa Herman's uh, you know, church and how other people we're willing to turn like like we start the book off with Nina falling asleep at the table and getting reprimanded and punished for it for doing something as simple as just like falling asleep without saying yeah. your prayers but James actually makes the act of killing and he gets praised for it yeah uh, so for I uh, yeah I actually thought it was it was one of the points in the book where I read it and it really got me going into the book, wanting to read more because of that. Well, when you, like you said, it kind of like foreshadows what's going to happen because like with Nina, she gets punished for not praying before going to bed. Um, he gets praised for killing a doe, even though it's a sin. And then later on when James kills himself, it, he drowned. He didn't kill himself. And then with mm-hmm. Nina, She's being dunked multiple times over and over. So it was almost like, again, he was punishing the women. Like, he's punishing the yeah. women. Um, except for that one guy that, like, made, like, sleep in, yeah, like, sleep in a grave or whatever. Um, but I think with James and Nina in particular, that beginning foreshadowed how their characters would still be treated by him. Because mm-hmm. even, even later on, they're talking about... Uh, and they're talking about why 
why James needs a good prayer partner in Nina. And it's because he doesn't like Grandpa Herman's like, I don't want him running off with one of those Baptists and then makes a, a move to signify like, Oh, cause like their big breasts are going to get them. You got to be careful. And it's just, again, it's blaming, blaming women for something that's normal behavior. Yeah. In teenage boys. Like, you know, um, and then I guess that kind of wraps up that question. And then my final one was at the end, Nana was telling Nina the story again of her mother and said part of the problem is, is even if she, you know, had gotten away with it and had run away with the other guy, she still wouldn't have been happy because her mother was always wishing for something more and then tells Nina that she's the same way. But for me, that described everybody else at that, that cult, that compound where at the end where they think Grandpa Herman's been raptured and they've all been left behind and they're all wailing and praying and, you know, screeching out for more. And it was, to me, it was like, well, you're right now, you're also wishing for more just because it's what you're wishing for is different than what other people want. Doesn't mean that you're not at the very core, the same person or the same type of person. Yeah. um, They definitely, because they definitely did think that they were all left behind, which was, Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, trust me, y'all were not, <laughs> he, would, he would not be the only one going. Um, well, what cracked yeah, me they, up too is they were like, it's the rapture, Grandpa Herman's gone, but Kanan's still there, who exactly. you were literally just saying he was the son of God, like he would be gone too. Exactly. Yeah, because he has um, not sinned yet, and that was the whole thing. Yeah. So, um, and if, I mean, if for me, if anything, like that goes back to what I was talking about with the, what was normal was miraculous enough was to me, Nina was the one wishing for the very least out of everybody where her, I mean, her wishes were, I just want to mother my son and yep. be able to make small decisions for myself. And yeah, go back. She to didn't school. have that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So but yeah, that was a great way to put that. Um, no, I definitely um, think that some of those quotes, like you said, like even though it was meant for Nina, it represented everybody else in the book. Yeah, and that was like the one time with I felt like in I felt like Nana was wrong, really. Um, yeah. Like I said earlier, I was frustrated that she wasn't calling out her husband for, you know, calling her a liar, but not yeah. casually not telling anybody else about his past. But um, anytime else, she was always the sh- strongest character there for everybody else in the compound. But that for me was the one time that she she was reading the room wrong. Yeah, she definitely did. So. But. All right. Any final thoughts? No, I, um, I actually, again, like I said, I enjoyed the book. I thought it was a great first book for us. Um, I don't know what we would have done if our first book would have been Anna Corinna, Corinna. Like, I don't know what we would have done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then I guess we can announce what the next book is. Um, I actually have it right here. Hey, you picked it up. Hey, that's the same cover I have. 
Yeah. And it actually has on it, like it says, um, Oprah's book club on it. Like it has like that sticker. Yeah. Yeah. So the next book is, um, the heart is a lonely hunter by Carson McCullers. Do you have the information like when she chose it? Yes. So this, this book was published in 1940 and it was her April, 2004 book club choice. So So, quite some time passed. Well, and what's, crazy what I read on the back is it says Carson McCullers was 23 years old when she published this book yeah so that's going to be very interesting youngin yeah um and this book has chapters (laughs) unlike the rapture of Canaan yeah so another thing I like to do whenever I get a new book is I always read the first line and then I read the closing line oh dear I used to when I was younger I used to read the entire last page, but I spoiled too many books doing that. I would not do. I would grown in my old age. So okay. I have also, to say, oh, go for it. Well, I was gonna say, and there's like parts in. It. I think there's three parts in this book. Mm-hmm. So, but okay, it's, if you want to, do you want to read the first line? Well, so going back to Rapture of Canaan real quick, like okay. the first, the opening line didn't grab me. It's okay. a, I've spent a lot of time weaving, but you'd never know it from my hands, and I was just like. Okay. And and we don't even know about that until, like, closer after when she's pregnant. That's when all that weaving happens. Weaving and the blooming and the rugs and all that happened. But I will say the closing line, they will speak like prophets. I enjoyed that. I thought that was a good, solid, you read it, you close the book, you set it down, and you go, ah, it's done. Um, Now... Differently, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, both the opening yeah. line and the closing line I've enjoyed. <laughs> okay, so how about you read the uh, first line? So the opening line is, in the town there were two mutes and they were always together. And I was like, I want to know more about these two people. <laughs> I know, right? That is kind of captivating. It, it kind of sounds like... Um, now this is probably not where this book is going, but it makes me sound, it makes it sound like there's going to be shenanigans, and there might be some funny parts. So, yeah, maybe. Um, and then the closing line is, "And when at last he was inside again, he composed himself soberly to await the morning sun." And that to me seems like another good. You read it, you close the book, and it's done. Yeah, yeah. You so, don't need there's there's closure. You don't need anything else. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I do like that. Um, Okay. So we both have the book. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if your library does this. Did you have any problems um, checking out this book at the library? No, I knew exactly what I was doing this time and checked it out without returning it first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what my library does is they stick like the, you know, the little receipt in your book and then it says, You've you've saved this much by using your library today, and it says like for this book in particular, like I sa- I saved twelve dollars. Ooh. Yeah. So I wonder if I should like start keeping these at the end of the year. Let's see how much I've saved. Yes, you by, should. By, by going to the library, I think the Rapture of Canaan. I want to say that one was twelve dollars too. I have the book um, here. Um, it says twelve dollars on the back. Yeah, I think that you have the same copy as I had, so. Yeah, and then this one does say $12 as well. Um, Again, this one, um, it's only 359 pages, so not a long book. 
It seems longer. It seems thicker than the Rapture of Canaan, but I think they were close to the same. Like that one was like, what, 320, I think. It's 320 pages. Yeah, my copy was 320. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably not going to start it right away. Um, I am reading another book at the moment. What you reading? I'm still reading Cersei. Cersei, okay. Yeah, so I'm still reading that. So I'm definitely want to finish that one before I start The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Um, so I might have to renew this book. I don't think there was any hold on it, so I should not have any problems. But I was looking at um, our calendar, and I was thinking, like, if we wanted to do, like, a four-week thing again, like, give everybody a month to read it that yeah. wants to join in. And so that would put us at like July 6th would be the discussion episode. Yeah. That sounds good. Uh, yeah. And then the weeks in between it um, will just be our check-in to see if we've started the book, um, what we're reading, what we're currently reading, um, anything like that, um, any podcast, if I've watched any TV shows that I said I was going to watch, you know, anything like that. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so that's, I think, where we're at for the next book. Yeah, I think we're in a good spot. Um, all right. Cool, is that it? I think that's it. I think we're good right. for the thing, so. Um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is reading with celebs, and Twitter is reading W celebs. W celebs. So. And please subscribe, give us any likes, ratings, anything like that. We would uh, greatly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right. So thank you for joining us. Happy reading, guys. Happy reading. Bye. Bye.